Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, welcome everyone to The Build-Up as my voice is slowly but surely coming back and uh, hopefully it'll be good to go in the uh, next couple of days to be my normal, loud, boisterous self because there's been so much going on that I have not been able to fully uh, express myself with regards to, so you'll get the, uh, the full Ted Ramey experience soon, but... Uh, wanted to go ahead and get us started by talking about tonight's game against the Kraken. And for that, we are now joined by Allison Lucan, analyst for the Seattle Kraken. And Allison, I'm going to start off by embarrassing you, which I, uh, I hope you're okay with. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't know how much time you spend on uh, Reddit or social media in general, because for women on the Internet, it's often a, uh, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, for lack of a better term. Uh, but Reddit made a great post about your broadcasts um, a couple nights ago, and they were it was you guys trying to talking about the crack and breaking down the one three one defense of I can't I'm now I'm blanking on the team of who it was. It's the, the Kings. The yeah, Kings. the Kings. There it is. And you know it was just it went viral on Reddit, and people were talking about it, and it was it was it was fantastic. And you know I'm a son of a sports broadcaster. I've been doing this you know all forty years of my life on this planet, but it was great broadcasting, but there were also a lot of people who were saying former uh, Columbus fan checking in, we miss her, you know, in this area. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool. Like, look at the impact that Allison is having on people, on broadcasters, on people who enjoy your writing. Like I, again, I wanted to embarrass you right off the start. Uh, so I thought I would share that with you. <laughs> well, you're very kind. Uh, there were, there were a few people who brought it to my attention and um, it, it was just, it was, it's flattering, right? I mean, that's, that's what we all seek to do is to, inform and hopefully do it in a fun way. And to see that we were able to do that um, is is very, very rewarding. And I have to give so much credit to obviously the the two fine people who were on that broadcast with me, John Forsland, of course, the legend and mm -hmm. JT Brown, who does color commentary for our games. And, you know, what I love is that JT brings that, you know, recent game experience. And it was just so fun to play off each other and, and really break that down. I was I was honored to be a part of it and very, very honored and humbled by all the positive feedback. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty cool, because as you know about broadcasting, like nine well, 99 times out of 100, if people say anything about your broadcast, they're always there to point out what you did wrong. So I thought this was cool. It was the internet collectively coming together to point out what they thought was really good broadcasting, which seems to be very, very hard to find. <laughs> that is true. And, and you know, it's funny, I think, too, that um, different markets re receive different kinds of information differently. And we're just so lucky to be in a market that seems to click with what we want to do. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the, you know, know your audience, the classic, um, you know, refrain of any business venture, whether it's hockey or, or anything else. And, you know, it's clicking. So again, it's 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 great work. And it's also, you know, let's not lie about the fact that the team through, you know, 20, what, uh, 18 points or 18 games so far this year is doing a lot better than what was there a year ago. I mean, so I guess from the 30,000 foot perspective, what is the big difference with Seattle so far this season? 
Yeah, I think there's a couple. I think that, you know, they did do tangible things, changing up the roster a little bit to increase the offense. That was priority number one for this team, and that happened. Priority number two was uh, was seeing the goaltending get to where they had hoped and expected it to be last season, and that has happened both with Philip Grubauer, but then Martin Jones has really stepped up, who you know well, um, has stepped up here in the wake of Grubauer's injury. So goaltending has been a piece, and then, you know, it's it's really interesting, and, and we see this when we have the privilege to be around these teams and around these players. I had a great conversation with Adam Larson the other day about how just the feel around this group is different, and it's a cliche to talk about how, you know, team bonding matters and those things, but it really does, and you can feel that finally this year, without any COVID restrictions, that this is finally the time when this group of players has been able to get to know each other and like each other and hang out with each other. And mm-hmm. and that energy is, is is sustaining and it's really different and it's really positive. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it as well is like you start to see guys gel. You start to see a little bit more of that chemistry overall. And even though last year the Kraken didn't present to me like um, – many expansion teams that I've seen throughout sports, you could tell that there was often a a learning curve that was happening in real time, whether it was from acquisitions or whether it was new guys, you know, just there was never, it was never quite in sync, but this year you are seeing more of that in sync nature, even if that is a bit of an oversimplification on my end. I, I totally agree. And I think they've also been able to have some key wins, the kind of wins that, you know, anyone who's followed a team in any sport, it's the one that you point back to and say that gave those, that group, those players an an ingredient to know they could succeed. And for this team right now, I continue to point back to the November 1st game in Calgary, you know, Calgary carries such a reputation in our division and in the league, right. Particularly recently. And this Kraken team went in there and had to play with Joey Decord uh, due to some emergency circumstances in net. He played brilliantly, of course. And this team found a way to come back late in the third period from a two-goal deficit and win that game in a game that maybe wasn't their best. And so it's that belief, right? It's that we can do this. We can do the hard things. We can come back. That's, that attitude is starting to change, and that's that's really been a difference maker. Let's talk a little bit about Martin Jones because I know that when – his time here in San Jose came to an end. There was a polarized sense of him that, you know, he he was beyond his best days. Those were behind him. And others, like myself included, thought, you know what, there's so much here and still with youth on his side that he can get it back. And, you know, watching him play, it reminds me of the Martin Jones that we saw, especially in 2016, that led the Sharks to their first ever Stanley Cup final appearance. I mean, just... You know, he's athletic. He'll come out very much, you know, you can tell he worked with Jonathan Quick a lot earlier in his career because he'll come out of the crease. He'll be aggressive. It's, to me, watching this Martin Jones in action again, it's very it's very pleasing because I know that even even though his skill level didn't keep up to where he wanted it, the guy grinded. And even in 2018-2019 when the Sharks made a run to the Western Conference Final once again, even though he hadn't been having a great statistical year, he turned back the clock and was a beast again in the playoffs. And so I I personally love watching him have this success. And he's not, you know, he's not very impressed with himself. He doesn't really like to, <laughs> you know, give long drawn out answers, but you can tell watching him right now that he, that he is having fun again at the very least. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we all like to see players who we know are putting in the work and and have reached high points in their abilities succeed. And everyone is is really pulling for Martin Jones here in Seattle, as we talked about before. This is a player Seattle didn't expect to have to even go get. It was an injury to Chris Drieger this summer that 
that necessitated filling that hole. And Martin Jones came in, he fits the, he fits the room, he fits the culture. And I actually talked to Jared McCann about this, who's one of the best finishers in the league. I said, what makes it so hard to beat Martin Jones? And he said, and and you've seen this up front is it's his size too, right? He's so big. And because he does play a little bit farther back, it's taking away the angle and the net in a different way. And he tends to not go down to prepare for the shot, mm-hmm. maybe as early as other goaltenders. And for shooters, that makes it even harder to figure out where to place your shot. And I think that he's also benefiting from the defense that he's playing behind. The, the defenders will say that. Martin Jones will say that. And if you look at the the caliber of the play that's happening in front of him defensively right now, even compared to last year, which was was so hard in Philadelphia for many reasons up and down yeah. that roster. When you set your goaltender up to succeed, then they can be at their best too. And, and I think both areas of play are feeding off of each other right now. In terms of the offense, we look at some of the play of a, of a McCann, of a Burkowski, or of an Eberle right now. It seems like things are, are clicking. And we're also seeing a very much much more balanced level of production compared to what we saw a year ago. Absolutely. You know, this is a... Kraken team that is building. I mean, you see Maddie Beneers is really exceeding so many expectations at center already. And Shane Wright is waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team building to their window. But right now, they have to score by committee, and they are doing that. And we know this when we're around these groups. When you're the guy and you feel like you're the only guy, that pressure can be just stifling, particularly when you go through a cold stretch and every player does. And so for this group to know that, hey, if our line isn't going in terms of putting the puck in the net any given night, we know there's going to be at least one other line, if not two, that are going to get a little feel for it. So it's not only mattered on the score sheet, I think it's mattered once again for the attitude and the energy and the confidence with which this group can play. I'll ask you the the devil's advocate question right now because it seems to be um, you know what people are asking a lot about this Kraken team whether or not is it it's sustainable. So I'll ask you a why is it sustainable and b what would thusly then make it not sustainable? Like where where would it hinge then in your mind if it doesn't go if it doesn't keep at this level all year long? Yeah, you know it it is true that if you look at the Kraken scoring, it's kind of come down from some highs that were happening to start the year. But for someone like me who looks at a lot of the underlying numbers, there's no real player who's out punching their weight, if you mm-hmm. will, and and maybe getting a lot of puck luck. In fact, I look at a player like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is still putting up quite a few assists, but he only has the one goal on the season. Yet, if you look at what he's doing in terms of what he's creating quality-wise and how much he's shooting, he's doing it more than he's ever done. So that's a player that you would expect the puck to start to fall more for. So I think that on the forward side in particular, you're looking at a pretty true to life expectation of what this group can do. Obviously, injuries can impact anything here. And it will be interesting to see, you know, Philip Grubauer is back on the roster. He's backing up uh, Martin Jones against the Sharks here tonight. But how will that workload change, if at all, now that the presumed starter who's been with this organization since the start is back and healthy. And he was playing so well right before he got injured. Can yeah. he return to that level of play right away? I know, obviously I have, uh, you know, checked out your analytics with Allison on the Kraken website, <laughs> which I encourage everyone to check out. Is there, is there anything that you have derived about what the 
Kraken have done this year, whether it's on their defense or whether it's on their um, offensive side of things, power play, et cetera. Because, I, I, you know, I, I find analytics very, very interesting, but I find it so much harder to find them practically, the practical application of analytics in motion sports like hockey, basketball, and soccer, as opposed to like baseball and football, which are set plays, plays stop and finish. Whereas in motion sports, I mean, you can, they're, at least uh, with my meager ba- brain, there can be a paralysis by analysis because so much is playing into any given um, opportunity to score and or block a shot. Oh, and I agree. You know, that is the challenge of, of this kind of a game. And part of why we love it, right, is that so much is contributing at any second and so many decisions are being made that we'll never be able to know or quantify. Um, and, and I think that the people who are who are doing the right things in the analytic community acknowledge that in mm-hmm. hockey. We know there's so much we don't know. But when I look at the, the bigger brushstrokes of, of what's different in this team right now, which in my opinion is how these numbers have to be used at a game by game basis. There's so many variables that may never be repeated again. Um, but the, again, we speak about the offense of the Kraken and they're able to create more off the rush than they were last year. And their defense remains at the level of stoutness that it was. And again, the other key area where we're seeing improvement for the Kraken is goaltending. Both Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer already performing better than they were last season. And again, that defense supporting them in front. I think the other place where this isn't even fancy numbers, but what we're seeing is an improvement in special teams, particularly on the power play. And we all know for a group, when your power play is going, even if they don't score every time they're out there, when that group has confidence, that gives you a little bit more push, a little bit more opportunity to play more aggressively and play more confidently. What are you expecting to see tonight against a uh, Sharks team who is, um, you know, still in the growth phase, they are getting better, but since they're 0-5 start, they have been considerably better, and they're also decent on the road, 5-4-0 so far. For sure, and you know, everyone's talking about it, and to be honest with you, I'm a big fan of Eric Carlson. I've loved his game for years. It's it's great to see him rediscovering um, this level of success, but I'm I'm interested because the Kraken, when they really hit their stride and they had that five-game win streak, although it was brutal, there was a pace of a game every other day. And I think they were really hitting that stride and finding that familiarity. They're certainly happy to get a couple more days here right now between games, but their last game was that grinding game against the Kings. And now they're going to face a Sharks team that plays a little differently. So I'm curious to see how they adapt um, to the, you know, it's a wrinkle in the offensive attack for the mm-hmm. Sharks for sure. So I'm interested to see how they play against that. And I just talked about the power play. It started off hot for the Kraken. It's still been executing pretty well, but not as frequently. And obviously San Jose has such a strong penalty kill. And what will those special team battles look like? Particularly if San Jose gets something going shorthanded, that's something that the Kraken don't want to allow any more of this season. Allison, thank you so much for letting me uh, bother you again. As uh, This is the second time in the last couple of months I've been able to talk to you for an interview, but thank you again, uh, and we'll do it again soon, all right? It's absolutely no bother. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Again, that was Allison Lucan, who is an analyst for the Seattle Kraken. You can also check out some of her work on their website. Uh, but yeah, always a pleasure talking with her. Um, because my voice is still not up to uh, tip-top shape, I don't want to lean too heavily on it just yet. So here is David Quinn earlier this morning. So you guys are optimistic that maybe James Ryan will be able to, to play or to rejoin the team, you know, sometime later this week? Yes. Can you say how he got injured or when he got injured? Just started 
not feeling great in a certain particular area leading into the game. Okay. There's really okay. nothing that's, that happened. It was just like the age. I don't feel good today. I don't know. I can't explain it. Is uh, is Rodham's is, is Simic available for you guys tonight? And and yes, Simic is available. But you don't anticipate he'll play it. You'll play tonight, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, what do you make of the Seattle team this this season? You know they've they've gotten off to a, a pretty good start here. Obviously, a big improvement over over last year. What what are you seeing from them right now? Well, they made some good additions. They're healthy. They're getting good goaltending. You know, I think when you like everything got skewed from Vegas, you know, everybody, you know, always compared them to Vegas. And I thought it was very unfair to them. And when you take 23 players and all the newness in an organization uh, is just a learning curve. And I think going through what they went through last year set them up to have success this year. And they're a good team. I mean, I'm not surprised uh, with the success they're having based on the, you know, the players they have, the coaching staff they have. The management they have, uh, you know, this organization has done a great job setting itself up to be successful. What's um, how how is uh, Nico Sturm feeling? Uh, feeling, I guess, and and is there concern that this could linger for for a little while for him? Uh, he's feeling he's feeling. I haven't a chance to talk to him today, but I know yesterday talking to him, he was feeling better. Okay, all right, thank you. Hey, uh, David, uh, are you day to day? Is it upper or lower? I am uh, upper lower in every think possible but i am absolutely day-to-day all right appreciate the clarity there uh, no problem <laughs> uh wondering uh, actually uh, about uh, about the decision to play uh to continue with uh, nick uh over redeem um you know, talk about some of the good things that nick has done um is that you know has he improved you know what are you seeing with his game how is his game trending for you obviously the first game in vegas you know that's tough for anybody yeah i mean i just like his composure or like his toughness uh you know, I like how he defends. Uh, there's a lot that I like about him. And this isn't just from what I've seen uh, up here since he's been called up. I, you know, I liked him, you know, by the end of camp, he was someone that I felt really good about. So, you know, this isn't a – I'm not surprised he's come up here and, and had some of the success he's had. I mean, look, this might be looking too far ahead, but, I mean, can you anticipate that these are your seven defensemen, you know, moving forward and just sort of a competition uh, for to play every night, you know, among these seven. Yeah, that is, it is looking ahead, but you know, it's uh, it gives us depth having a guy like this who we feel confident in at this level. I guess the important thing this is the point is that Nick has played well enough that it's become a conversation point. Whereas, yes. you know, a month ago, maybe we weren't talking about this necessarily. Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you said, it's given us depth and options. Okay, great. I also yeah. want to just ask uh, about a Mario uh, Ferraro. I haven't asked about him so much uh, this year, but you know, he's playing a lot of big minutes for you. Um, just what has your impression been uh, of him? Has he been what you've expected, um, you know, better? Just, you know, what or what surprises you about him? Well, you know, I've known him from afar for a while now, from his days in the USHL and at UMass. And, you know, he's a guy that plays with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, uh, you know, it's fun watching people evolve in their careers. Uh, and, you know, obviously we signed him to a contract this summer. He's certainly earned it. Uh, I think with our team, I think there there was maybe more of a, 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 a level of responsibility maybe he hadn't uh, faced before. And I think he, start, he was trying to sort that out early on. But I think there's a lot of clarity on what we need from him and what he's capable of giving us night in and night out. And, you know, I really like I like the direction his game has taken over the last two weeks. Well, what what in particular has have you liked the last couple of weeks here with him? 
I think he's been more physical. I think he's, you know, I think maybe when he signed the contract and with Bernsey moving on, I think maybe he assumed maybe he needed to create a little bit more offense for us where I think if he just focuses on the things that we're going to need him to do night in and night out, offense is going to happen just from him jumping in the play at the right time, as we ask every defenseman to do. I mean, you need all five guys involved offensively if you're going to be successful. And, you know, I thought maybe he took on a little bit more, a little too much responsibility from an offensive perspective. Uh, but I think he's in a good place now and there's a good balance for him. All right, that wraps up for the buildup. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.